Good morning. My name is Garth. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at Steinbeck EMC. And today we are continuing our series on uh, Jesus' farewell message. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at John chapter 13, and we've been working through that. Today we're going to look at John chapter 17. And so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would encourage you to turn there now. And, uh, and so in this series, um, in these, well, this will be the fifth chapter that we're dealing with, uh, this is often referred to as the upper room discourse. Uh, it's where Jesus is with his disciples on the Thursday night before he's going to be uh, betrayed and, uh, and turned over to be crucified. And so knowing what is about to take place, Jesus is getting his disciples ready for what is to come. Last week, uh, Jason spoke on chapter 16 on the theme of suffering. And uh, in there, the last verse of chapter 16 we read these words that Jesus warns his disciples. He says, I have told you all of these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus was saying, listen, expect trouble. Okay? But in that trouble, don't lose heart because I have overcome the world. Now, it's interesting the language that Jesus uses here because... How he overcomes the world is by his death and his resurrection. And that hasn't happened yet, but Jesus is speaking as if it has already happened. Uh, Jesus has been in communion with his disciples. But now in chapter 13, he turns to have communion with his heavenly father through prayer. I enjoy, one of the things I enjoy about my week is Thursday mornings, we have a prayer team that gathers here every Thursday morning, and I have the privilege often of joining them in prayer. Uh, not just on Thursday mornings, but throughout the week as people come to visit and different things like that, or I go and visit. Uh, one of the joys is to be able to pray with people, because as we pray together, I get a glimpse into their heart, what is important to them, what's on their mind, and they get to hear what's on my mind, on what's on my heart for that time. And in this chapter, chapter 17, Jesus is praying. Of course he's praying. We've heard that Jesus prays often. But here we get to be let in on his heart. Here we get to hear his conversation with his heavenly father. Uh, earlier in his uh, ministry, Jesus had taught his disciples how to pray. Uh, they said, Jesus, teach us how to, how to pray. And he said this, he said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oftentimes we refer to that as the Lord's Prayer, uh, but that's actually not the Lord's Prayer. That is what he, he taught his disciples, how, what they should pray. But Jesus actually never prayed that prayer because he never had to ask for forgiveness for sin. Okay? So that was what the disciples were to pray, but that wasn't Jesus' prayer. This here in John chapter 17, this is the real Lord's Prayer. 
because this is his communion with his heavenly father. And in this prayer, in this chapter, we get to kind of eavesdrop into his conversation between Jesus and the Father God. We get to have a glimpse into their conversation between the members of the Godhead as he concludes this time in the upper room with his disciples. And, and I suppose that he's allowing his disciples, or in particular for sure John, to be able to listen to this prayer and then to write it down so that we would be able to read it. And so we pick up with that in mind, verse 1. After Jesus said this, after he said, I've told you these things so that, you will, uh, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He, Jesus prays this. He looks to heaven and he prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Uh, if you've read through the Gospels, you've seen on a few occasions, you've read on a few occasions where Jesus said, no, my hour has not yet come. But here we see Jesus says, my hour has come. His whole life, his ministry here on this earth led to this point in time. He left heaven for this purpose that was about to take place. He left heaven to come and to die for our sins so that we can have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Amazing to see the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father, as intimate as it was and is, He is inviting us into that relationship as well. Carly and I were down at the Pastors Forum in Florida and we had an opportunity to visit with Dave and Laura Sharp and, and, and with their children Dave and Kim Field. And we were a little bit apprehensive about going there. They invited us to be at their table. And because we knew of the situation that they were going through with Dave's recent uh, diagnosis of cancer and their children being there, just a rare occasion that they were uh, able to have together face-to-face, -face, we felt a little bit like, no, we don't want to intrude on that time. But Dave and Laura and Dave and Kim were, no, 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 no. You're part of the family. You come in and you come sit at the table. And they were so welcoming to us, even though we felt a little bit odd about that. I get a sense that's a little bit what Jesus and the Father are saying to us as well. No, no, we want you to be part of this intimate relationship that we have. And so although Christ was about to face his death on the cross... Although it had not yet been completed, Jesus was so totally committed that he speaks about it as if it's already been accomplished. This greatest work of all, that in this great work, that the Father God would be glorified and that the Son would be glorified. The Father would glorify the Son and through Christ's obedience on the cross, he would then return the glory to the Father. Jesus continues on. He says, for, for you, and he's speaking about himself here. For, for, or, sorry, for you, Father, granted me, granted Jesus, the authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. 
And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. As we listen and we read those words of Jesus' prayer, both his honor and the Father's honor are of absolute importance to Jesus. In these four verses alone, they are so, there's so much uh, truth in these four verses, such profound truths. Truths like this, that Jesus has authority over all people to give eternal life. In these words, we get to see that the heart of eternal life is knowing the Father and Jesus Christ. We get to see that the work the Father gave Jesus to do here on earth is now complete. And we also learn in these words that Jesus existed in glory with the Father before creation. Do you remember the words in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11? We often refer to that scripture when we refer to how we should treat one another. The words in Philippians chapter 2 go like this. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus gave up his glory when he came here to earth. And now as he was looking beyond the cross, beyond the resurrection, to his ascension to the Father, he was asking the Father to restore to him his full rights his full glory, his full power that he had enjoyed with the Father before the creation ever came to be. As we look at Jesus' words and we read how he prayed, we can learn from him that as we pray, that we would pray that the Father would be glorified in our lives. Jesus continues on, I have revealed to you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I had come from you and they believed that you sent me. Have you ever thought about how we actually experience salvation in our life? In John chapter 3, verse 16, a verse that many of us know, it says that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. But have you ever thought about what happens before that moment of saying yes to Jesus Christ? Jesus' prayer tells us. Somehow these disciples had, had already belonged to God, and God had given them to Jesus, 
And Jesus, through his life, through his person, through his actions, through his words, revealed to his disciples the Heavenly Father. Through his actions, through his words, he revealed God's character to his disciples. Jesus made God visible to them. And then they responded. Jesus says, they have obeyed your word. They accepted the words that I gave them as coming from you and believed that you sent me. And so in those few words that Jesus offers to his heavenly father is the profound path that every believer takes. Have you ever considered how precious the gift of salvation is? That somehow from all eternity, God has chosen you, has chosen me to be his. Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. That's how the New Living Translation uh, reads. And so it is in God's perfect timing, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to God's love for you through Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, we read this, that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Our part in this is to simply respond by believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he came from the Father and believing that his words are from the Father. You see, from beginning to end, faith in Jesus Christ is a gift from the Lord. It's his gift to us, and we receive it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we read these words, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. From beginning to end, salvation is a gift from our Heavenly Father. And if you're here this morning and you've never received that gift, I invite you to receive Jesus Christ today. How can you tell a disciple of Jesus Christ? A disciple of Jesus Christ obeys his word. They have accepted the words of Jesus as having come from the Father, and they believe that Jesus Christ was sent by the Father to them. And so as we look at Jesus' prayers, we read his prayer, what we can learn from his prayer is that we can thank God that he has chosen us and we can make a commitment to accept and to obey his word. Jesus says, I pray for them. Those are some powerful words. Have you ever thought about that, that Jesus prayed for his disciples? And maybe even coming a little bit closer to home is that God prays for you too. Jesus prays for you and me as well. Scriptures tell us that is part of Jesus' present ministry. That's what he is doing right now in heaven beside the heavenly father that he is praying for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, we read these words. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, 
more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus right now is praying for you as you're sitting here in these chairs? Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says, Therefore he is able, this is talking about Jesus, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is alive now at the right hand of the Heavenly Father and he is praying for you and for me. Some of us maybe need to hear that today. That Jesus is praying for you right now. I mean, how cool is that? That Jesus made it clear that although we have access to our Heavenly Father through Him, but in addition to that, that we are still objects of Jesus' loving concern for us. That's a profound truth. Christmas 2011, I surprised Carly with what I think is the greatest gift I've ever given to somebody. It was a two-week vacation to Cuba that we would experience in February. At the time, our boys were nine and seven years of age. And so, of course, I actually had to do some prearranging on this. And so I had asked Carly's parents, who lived not too far from us, but wondered if they would have the time and be able to come and, and to stay with our boys while we were gone on this vacation. And, of course, they were more than happy to do that. And so... What was good and what was so enjoyable about that is that we could entrust our children to their grandparents, knowing that the grandparents would treat them well and would look after them just as well as we as parents would look after them. But even so, we as parents still left a detailed instructions. Detailed instructions as to what this boy needed and wanted and what this boy needed and wanted and how you could care for them while we're gone. We did that not because we didn't trust their grandparents, but we did that in fact because we do trust their grandparents, because we did trust them with our children. And it's almost as if Jesus is praying that way to the Heavenly Father too. And he's saying, I'm going to leave my disciples and he's giving them and entrusting them back to the Father. And he says, Father, I know I'm going to be leaving them here. And so I entrust them to you because of his loving relationship with the Father. Because he knows he's been walking with the Father. He knows that his heavenly Father is going to love these disciples just as well as he has. Jesus is very much aware that his disciples are at risk. He knows that they are to live in this world and this world is going to hate them just as much as it, they, the world hated him. The world is going to threaten them, maybe cause abuse. And while they don't belong to the world, Jesus has sent them into the world. And they need protection. And that's what Jesus' prayer is for his disciples. I am not praying for the world Jesus says, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. 
and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus' first request to the Father is that he would protect them by the power of his name. To be protected by the power of the Father and by the power of his name is to be intimately aligned with God's character. To be intimately uh, connected with God's mission. To be known as his possession and to live in his likeness. Because as we are aligned with God's mission, as we are aligned with his character, the fruit that is produced in our lives is that they may be one. Even as we are one, Jesus prays. When they reflect this oneness in their lives, then God is going to be glorified. And so as we learn from Jesus' prayer As we pray, ask God to protect you in his name so that we may experience the oneness in our relationship. And so as Jesus is handing them back to the Father, into the Father's safekeeping, Jesus prays, while I was with them, I protected them. And I kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. The one that was lost is Judas, was Judas. And that place of Judas among his 12 disciples as the ones who had followed Jesus and learned from Jesus, there's that tension. The place of Judas among the disciples and his choice to betray Jesus highlights the balance that we find throughout Scripture between the awesome sovereignty of God and the freedom he allows his people to exercise. Judas was not lost against his will, but with his consent. In fact, he may have responded to Jesus' invitation to fellowship at that supper table, but instead, Judas chose to walk away. So Jesus prays, I am coming to you now, Father, But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And so my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you would protect them from the evil one. Jesus didn't pray for his disciples to be taken out of the world. He didn't ask them to be removed from the hatred and from the persecution and from the troubled times that they are going to go through, but that they would be protected through those difficulties so that they would not fall prey to the enemy. You see, the only way that believers can be a witness to the world is for us to be in the world. And so already having prayed for his disciples and prayed for their protection in his name, prayed for oneness, Jesus adds that they would also have the full measure of his joy in them. 
See, our joy comes not from our external circumstances. Our joy comes from our relationship with Jesus. And so as we pray, ask God to fill you with his joy from being in relationship with him. Jesus went on to pray, they are not of the world, he's talking about his disciples, they are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart. It means to be holy. And so Jesus' final request for his disciples Uh, was that God would sanctify them, that God would make them holy, that God would have them set apart for him. Now, there are two stages to sanctification that we see in Scripture. One is the finished work of Jesus. That is that we are made holy, that it is finished, that it is once and complete. And that happens at the moment that we say yes to Jesus Christ. That at the moment that we say yes to Jesus Christ, we are made holy. We are set apart for God once and for all. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 says, And by that will, we have been made holy. That's a past tense. We've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's done. That is finished. That's not what Jesus is praying for his disciples in this moment because they have that already. But the second part to sanctification is the daily action of becoming holy, of walking day by day with God, separated from sin and becoming more and more like him in our lives. This is the process that Jesus was praying for his disciples. Daily holiness, Jesus says, comes from knowing and obeying the truth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, we read these words, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Salvation done the moment we say yes to Christ. But then we continue day by day to grow up in that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the last part of the verse says this, work at living a holy life. See, That's, in a sense, what we are doing here this morning. This is what we do when we go to Sunday school. This is what we do when we're part of a life group and, and, and we're reading the word together and we're listening to the word because it's helping us to grow. But don't stop just with what we're doing here Sunday morning. Read the word, study the word, memorize the word throughout the week so that we can know it more fully and so we can act upon it and obey it more fully through our life, through our days. You see, just like God sent his son into the world, so Jesus has sent his followers into the world. Their mission was similar. Our mission is similar to what Jesus' mission was. That we would make God known. That we would make Jesus Christ known to those that we come in contact with. 
that we would let others know that salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. And so we do our part by equipping ourselves for the work that God has called us to do. And His Holy Spirit will enable us in that way as well. And so as we learn from Jesus' prayer, as you pray, ask God to sanctify you by the truth of His Word. And so learning from Jesus, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, our prayer is that you would be glorified through our lives. Father, we pray that, and we thank you that you have chosen us. And we desire to make a commitment to accept and to obey and to act upon your word today and throughout our days. Father, we ask that you would protect us in the power of your name so that we may experience oneness in our relationship. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would fill us with your joy from being in relationship with you, Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would sanctify us by the truth of your word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your incredible love, your incredible grace. We love you, Jesus. Amen.